0: Today is a special day for many people, because it's Valentine's Day, of course, a day to celebrate love. And for some people, it's a costly business. I was reading that last year in the States, consumers spent an, an average of $196 on Valentine's Day. Now, in Ireland, it's a little bit less. The average man spends $44 on flowers even less in County Wexford for some time some reason and in some households in, in Escorthy it's even less. Sorry, Lorna. But this spending isn't just for couples. Some people will buy gifts for their family and their friends, their co workers and even their pets. Uh, last year of Americans who bought Valentine's Day gifts bought them for their pets, spending about $1.7 billion in total. But today, we're not really thinking about Valentine's Day gifts. We're going to think about a different kind of love. And a love that has a much higher price tag. That's because as followers of Jesus, we are called to love In a better way, we are called to love as God loves. So this morning we're going to read from Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. This will complete our our study of the book of Jonah. So we're going to read chapter 4 of Jonah.
1: But to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also many animals.
0: Last week, we saw Jonah's incredibly successful mission in Nineveh. After being rescued by God, he obediently went to Nineveh and faithfully proclaimed the the message that God had given him, the message of warning, of coming destruction. And people from all sections of society listened to Jonah. They repented and they turned from their sin. And God in his boundless grace responded. He had compassion on them it says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. Amazingly Jonah was used by God to save this whole city. This reluctant prophet preached one sermon and a city-wide revival broke out. But Jonah was far from being delighted by this success. We read this morning in verse 1 of chapter 4, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Now, isn't that really strange? Because usually we are disappointed and frustrated when nobody listens to us. Or when we we seemingly see no results from when we share the gospel. So why was Jonah so furious in this situation? Well, I think it's because of God's uncontrollable love. Listen to what Jonah prayed in verse 2 to the Lord. O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. Jonah was really annoyed when God had forgiven these evil people because he didn't want them to be forgiven. He wanted them to be punished, to be wiped out, to be destroyed. He didn't think that God should love these Ninevites. Certainly not bless them. Certainly not listen to their prayers. Jonah was so arrogant here. He thought that he had the right to control God's love. God, love me, love my family, my people, my nation. But God, don't love those people who are different from me. Don't love these Gentiles. Don't love these sinners. And when Jonah found out that he couldn't control God's love, he said, oh God, Take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Now I think that's what you would call a temper tantrum. We're not really sure if Jonah truly wanted to die. I don't know if you remember way back in chapter 2, when Jonah was about to die, when he was about to drown in the Mediterranean, he called out to God to be saved. But this is his frustration at the fact that God would not do what he wanted him to do. God would not be manipulated. Now, before we get too critical of Jonah here, I think we need to to take a little minute to think if we are ever like that. Do we ever want to control God's love? Do we ever struggle with the thought of God-forgiving people who have done terrible things in our life? Or God-forgiving people who have hurt us personally? Or do we ever get annoyed when dishonest people seem to be getting on better than us? Or when bad people do not suffer as much as we are doing in our life? Or do we get frustrated when people who believe false teaching seem to be more blessed than we are? This isn't a new struggle. The, the, the the psalmist Asaph, he struggled with this in Psalm 73. He said that he nearly stumbled in his faith when I, because I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then this is also what the older son in Jesus' parable complained about. When his prodigal brother came home, his dad welcomed him and threw a party. But the older brother was furious with his dad. This is what he said in Luke chapter 15. All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. So that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. He was furious that his father loved his wayward son. So I wonder if we ever accuse God, even maybe silently under our breath, That God's love is not fair. Do we ever want God to love us and not others? I think if we're honest, most of us would admit that sometimes we want to control God's love. And when when we can't, sometimes we get angry, just like Jonah. So Jonah was angry because God was doing something that he didn't like. But this wasn't a surprise to Jonah. Jonah said to the Lord in verse 2 again of our chapter, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah had a good theological understanding. What Jonah actually said here is very similar to what Moses, what God said to Moses when Moses was getting the, the two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments written on it. This is what God said to Moses at that time in Exodus chapter 34. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. So Jonah, he knew the truth about God. But his problem was, he didn't like it. So that's why God could challenge Jonah here. Have you any right to be angry, God said to Jonah? And the answer, of course, is no. Not only because God has the right to do whatever he wants without kind of getting permission, first of all, from his people. But also because God here was just acting in keeping with his character as he's revealed in the scriptures. This is who God is. He is the God of unconditional love. So he will not allow us to confine him. He will not allow us to restrict his love. He is God and he is love. And so he will love all of his people. As, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So God doesn't promise that those who trust in Jesus will get preferential treatment in this world. He doesn't promise that those who trust in Jesus will suffer less than others, or they won't suffer the disappointments or the the hurts or the illnesses as much as those who reject him. Well, God doesn't promise to wrap all of his children up in, in cotton wool so that nothing hurts them, while allowing those who reject him to suffer terribly. God doesn't make those kind of promises. And one of the reasons why he doesn't is because God loves all of the people of this world. God loves those who reject him just as much as he loves those who accept him. God's love is unconditional. This is what Jesus revealed to us at the cross. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his love towards us in this. That while we were yet still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Today, we are called to look at the cross. See Jesus, the Son of God, dying in agony and shame under the weight of our sin. And we're supposed to understand that God loves all of us, even though we all fall short of the glory of God, even though all of us have rebelled against him. And then if we have accepted Jesus as our saviour and our Lord, that we are called to love others in the exact same way. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 again Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Our love is not just to be for those who love us or who are attractive or who are nice to us. Our love is supposed to be better because we are called to love those who hurt us those who criticise us those who attack us now of course that doesn't come naturally and this is certainly not easy but it should be the result of experiencing God's grace in our lives Jonah He should have been a man of incredible compassion and love and grace for sinners. Because he had just experienced God's amazing, outrageous grace in his own life. A short while earlier, Jonah had been drowning because of his rebellion against God. And yet he cried out to God in desperation and God rescued him miraculously with that huge fish. Jonah didn't deserve that. He didn't earn it. He hadn't done anything to achieve it. But God saved him because God loved him. So how ridiculous was it then That Jonah would be angry when a city full of wicked people were spared by God when they repented and turned away from their evil ways. Couldn't Jonah see how much God had done for him? But how much more should we be people of grace? Because God loved us when there was no good in us. Titus 3 verse 5 says He saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of His mercy. So we should be the most gracious, the most loving, the most forgiving people around because we know how much we have been forgiven. This is what Max Lucado, the, the author and pastor, says is the 747 principle. This is what he calls it. He takes it from Luke chapter 7, verse 47, where it says, He who has been forgiven little loves little. In Luke chapter 7, a man who thought of himself as a decent kind of man invited Jesus for dinner. But he showed him no real love. No real compassion. He loved little because he had been forgiven little, because he didn't even realize that he needed to be forgiven. He didn't even feel that need to be forgiven. But then a woman came in who knew how much of a mess she had made of her life. She knew how, how much of a sinner she was before God, and she came to Jesus for forgiveness. And she poured out her love to him. For by washing her her feet, his feet with her hair, and with her tears, and anointing them with perfume, she loved so much because she had been forgiven so much. And Max Lucado wrote that just like the jumbo jet. The 747 principle has wide wings. Just like that aircraft, the, uh, just like the aircraft, this truth can lift you to a, another level. In other words, we can't give what we haven't received. So if, we have, if we're in a really tough situation that demands more love, more grace, more forgiveness than we can produce by sheer will force. Then we need to, what we need to do is receive His love. So if we want to be more loving, then we need to look to the cross and accept God's love for us. If we want to be more gracious, Then we need to be more amazed by God's grace expressed to us, poured out on us through the suffering of his Son. If we want to be more forgiving, then we need a deeper understanding of how much we have been forgiven through Jesus. This is love, John writes in 1 John 4 and 10 and 11. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jonah had received so much love. And yet he didn't want to share it with others. If we were God at that moment, I think many of us would have got really frustrated with Jonah and just given up on him. He had had his second chance and he blew it again. But God is slow to anger and abounding in love. And so he took another opportunity to teach Jonah here about his love. Jonah went out of Nineveh and sat down uh, to see what would happen to the city. Maybe he was hoping that Nineveh would, would quickly forget about their repentance and turning from their sin and, and they would fall back into their own old ways and God would come and judge them. Now it was really hot, so Jonah, he made a shelter for himself to provide some shade. But then God provided three things to help Jonah. First of all, verse 6, The Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. This plant grew miraculously quickly. And provided better shade and Jonah was really delighted now he could sulk in comfort but the next day verse 7 God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered just as quickly as it had grown up the vine died destroying the shade that had kept Jonah cool And then to emphasise this lesson, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. This was intensely uncomfortable for Jonah and again he became even angrier and again he told God that he wanted to die. Now God wasn't doing all of this to to tease or to punish Jonah. This was another expression of God's love and grace for Jonah. Because just as God had used the storm and the fish, so God here was using the vine and the worm and the wind to teach Jonah of his unconditional, unconstrained love. He told Jonah this, verse 10 and verse 11. You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Now some people think that 120,000 people who can't tell the right from their left are the kids of the city. They're the children of Nineveh. Other people think, no, it's, the, it's God is just talking about the adults of that city because they can't tell the right from their left because they can't tell right from wrong. But whatever it means, God was challenging Jonah. You cared for that little plant, but it didn't cost you anything. You you never invested any time or effort or care in it. And it only lasted for a day. But still you were upset when it died. So how much more should I care about the thousands of people in Nineveh? People I gave life to. I, I knit them together in their mother's womb. I ordained for them all their days. I have loved them before the creation of the world. I have longed to know them and ached for them to know me. I desperately want them to be with me forever. Yet you want me to just give up on them and discard them and cast them away? Jonah had all his priorities so wrong. He cared more about the vine than he did about the lives of everybody in the city. He cared more about his personal comfort than he did about the spiritual destiny of thousands of people. He cared more about his national pride than he did about the kingdom of God. But Jesus was not like that. This is what Jesus said about himself in Mark chapter 10 verse 45. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' love for this world was unconstrained by personal interest. He loved us even when it cost him everything. And he calls us to follow in his own, in his footsteps and express that those same priorities in our lives. So who are we more like? Are we more like Jonah? Or are we more like Jesus? Do we care for things that only last for a short time? Or do we care more for people? Who will last for eternity? Do we care more for our personal comfort than for the spiritual destiny of the seven billion people on this on this planet or the five million in Ireland or the ten thousand people in Enniscorthy? Do we care more for the success of our lives or our families? Than we do for the coming of God's kingdom? Or are we willing to lay down our ambitions, our interests, our rights, our comforts, our reputation, our resources, our safety, even our very lives, to share the gospel? The gospel of Jesus with a world that is heading to a lost eternity. Are we willing to love this world? And the book of Jonah finishes there. Abruptly. Just leaves us hanging with this question from God. Should I not be concerned about that great city? I really hope that the fact that this book is in the scriptures, it means that Jonah maybe learned this lesson from God and and wrote it down to teach the nation of Israel all about God's love. But we don't know because we're not told. But maybe this book just ends with this question. So we can't avoid it. So we can't miss it. So we don't miss the force of this challenge. This book has revealed to us again God's uncontrollable, unconditional and unconstrained love for the people of this world. Yes, they are sinful and self-centred, but God longs for them to come to receive his grace that's why he sent his son into this world. And that is why today he's sending us to go into this world and make disciples of all nations. So this morning, are we going to obey this call? Are we going to love as God loves? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your amazing love as you've revealed it again in this, in this chapter of your, of your word. Lord, thank you for your love for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that it is unconditional. It's our, our only hope this morning because we are those who have sinned against you. We are those who have rebelled against you and fallen short of your standard and yet you loved us. You love us and you demonstrate today, you demonstrate your love to us by pointing us to Jesus and his death on that cross for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father God, we just thank you for how much you have loved us and how it's impacted our hearts that because of your love, we have been forgiven through our faith in the Lord Jesus. And we've been brought into that experience of your love. And we have been forgiven and we've been adopted into your family. And we are held securely in your hands and we will never be lost. And nothing and no one can ever separate us from your love. Father, we rejoice, we celebrate your love this morning. But Lord, help us not to try to control it just for us. And for those that we love or that those that we like. Lord, help us not to to get angry with you or to get frustrated with you when you share shower your love on those other people who don't deserve it, just like we don't deserve your love. Instead, Lord, help us to reflect in our lives. Help us to love others in the way that you love us. Help us be willing to love them even to the way that, that, that Jesus expressed his love to us. And by willing to give everything so that people, men and women and young people in this world, can hear about Jesus, can hear about the way of salvation, and they can experience that for themselves. They can be brought from, from death into life, into eternal life, abundant life, everlasting life. Father, I pray that you would help us as a, a group of your people, Lord. To love as you love. To love this world as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.